Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today's episode, I sit down with Mr. Graham Edge. Graham's an entrepreneur and a connector. He's the co-founder of McLaren Dion Edge, a global executive search firm, as well, and most recently, the co-founder and the man with the idea behind Energy Disruptors, a very unique first-of-its-kind event hosted in Calgary last year, second year happening towards the end of next week on September 17th, that brings together some of the world's most innovative thinkers on change, not only in the energy industry, but in the world we live in. Join me for a very candid conversation with Mr. Graham Edge. Did I read it right? Is the, the next Energy Disruptors is in September? Yes, yeah, September 17th and 18th. So basically tomorrow in your world. <laughs> yeah, slightly freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I look calm on the outside, it's because I've been practicing. <laughs> yeah, it's like my zen. No, I'm not very zen. No, I'm sure. How's, uh, how's second year versus first year? Harder, better, different? Now you know what's going to happen? <laughs> Do you know, I'd say in some ways it's been easier. So okay. getting all the sponsors... Obviously, there's a bit of a track record now having one behind us. You're not just um, an idea anymore. No, it's yeah. not an idea anymore. So you're trying to, it, you, we're not having to explain a concept, but it feels probably more difficult because there's a certain degree of pressure. And we help, hopefully, we set the bar reasonably high on yes, the well, first fr- event. From what I've heard out on the street, you did. <laughs> yeah, so we're a bit worried about can we make it at least as good, hopefully better than last year which is a good which is, which is a success problem but it's still real <laughs> yeah and I think that's the big anxiety performance anxiety is a real thing <laughs> it is yeah and we're, we're looking at going the, the biggest thing is the content because right. there's so much sensitivity about energy right now especially within the city yes so you're walking this tightrope of which speakers which content what do we not cover there'll be some things that what people do we, want to see we, us what do we do, say no we what do we say no yeah, to yeah we've got to say no to lots of things and that's 20, one of the biggest yeah. frustrations. Evan made that comment yesterday. He said he got lambasted by in the in the media because he came out very like, "Hey, oil and gas has to stop resting on its laurels. Oil and gas has to think differently." And he got lambasted for being anti oil and gas. He's like, "That's not." But it was because it was very interesting of like being pro everything else doesn't mean you're anti oil and gas. It was just interesting kind of his take on it or how he felt he got targeted maybe unjustly of how it was perceived. <laughs> yeah, and I think that I mean it's an example of. You know, even we talk about energy transformation versus energy transition. Hmm. And it might might sound an odd thing to say that, but transformation is a much more positive word in my view. Whereas when people think about transition, they think of, some people think of going from, you know, bad to good. Yes. If that makes sense. And it's it's quite a negative Leaving behind or something being left. Yeah, leaving something behind. So Transformation is almost more of an organic, it's almost like evolution. Like it's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, and words matter. You know, it's the reason why we say the all sands, not the tar sands. People are very sensitive to that. And why some groups do say the tar sands. And and why (laughs) groups pick that terminology because it's obviously a very um, Being in marketing, you're absolutely right. Words matter. Mm. Yeah. And in a world where we tend to skim over the surface and only catch the high points, that one word that causes us to react is it's it's critical. Yeah, and you get very dire- strong reaction from people. Absolutely visceral almost. Yeah. Graham, thanks for joining me today. I'm sitting here with Graham Edge. We've been having a nice chat offline, but we thought we'd bring it in and share it with the audience. So to set the stage, maybe give a little bit just kind of who you are, kind of a little bit. I know you're you're a transplant to the city like I am, so you've kind of come into Calgary, and I think it's important for the guests to understand kind of what's your relationship with Calgary and kind of what uh, what keeps you busy here. Mm. Yeah, so I, I'm originally from Scotland, so grew up near Aberdeen, and Aberdeen, in some ways, quite similar to Calgary. Interesting. So it's a big oil and gas city. All the offshore industry in in the UK is hmm. typically run from Aberdeen. 
So about half of the people that work in the city are connected to oil and gas. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. Growing up in that part of the world, you can't help but get involved in some way in the industry. Ah, it's kind I, of in your DNA from the it, It's in your DNA from, from an early age. I ended up then moving to London, went to university, finished school, had no idea what I wanted to do. So, And I was dating a girl at the time who's now my wife, um, Michelle. So she was studying back in Aberdeen. So I would say I reluctantly moved north. And I ended up, I was looking for a job that summer. And this was, you know, 2003, 2004. Economy wasn't great. Okay. I saw an advert for a recruitment position. I had no idea what that even meant. And I, and I ended up basically getting into the world of recruitment. <clears throat> and I was lucky enough that about a year in, I met a headhunter, an executive search individual. And I joined his firm uh, in executive search in oil and gas. And I spent the next really 15 years of my career in oil and gas executive search. And that was partially what brought me to Calgary. So I did a bit of a tour. I basically went Aberdeen, then Houston, then moved to Calgary in 2007. And just before I ended up moving here with Michelle... Um, Michelle's parents actually moved to Calgary in 2005. Oh, so the world conspired to get you to Calgary. Mm. Yeah, so everything kind of came together family-wise and then work-wise. So and been, we've been here ever since. Since 07, 08? 07. Oh, yeah. nice. Right on. And always, and always literally grew up and grew your career up through oil and gas. Yeah, initially through oil and gas. Into, and into transition, but still in relation to that industry. Mm. Yeah, it, and it was interesting. A lot of our clients were in the EMP sector. So okay. kind of top of the value chain. And um and I had a really good run. And obviously at that time the city was booming. And it was a different time. Yeah. Lesson. And you know, at pretty much every company was hiring. And then obviously the downturn started to hit. And at the time I was running uh, a UK based executive search firm's Canadian division. And the parent company ran into financial difficulties because they owned a number of different oil and gas recruitment companies. So um, I was in this unusual situation where I was running a profitable business, but the parent company went but, into but, insolvency. But the mo- mothership was not doing The well. mothership did not do well. Um, and the main investor actually decided to pull the pin. So my old boss rings me up and says, look, Graham, this is not a great situation. And, and you know, at this time... Michelle and I just had our second kid. We just bought this big house. We're thinking... Oh, life is very real, but you're thinking things are good. Well, we're, we're thinking things are good. We, we knew some, there were some challenges with okay. the parent company, but I don't think we realized at the time to what extent fully. We're all very smart in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, so my old boss rings me and says, look, as of Monday, you're actually going to get pulled into the, this insolvency process, and this is on like a Thursday. So I ended up calling up our clients and said, look, if we buy out the business, will you come with us? And literally, we've got to make this decision in the next 48 hours. We ended up buying out the business, started our own executive search firm. So it was myself and my business partner, Rachel Maxwell. And I found myself literally a week after the deal had gone through, going, I've made this horrible mistake. (laughs) Why have I done this? I have no interest in just building an oil and gas executive search firm kind of version two. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the market was tough and a lot of the work was slowing down. And, and this will, it's a bit long-winded, but it will feed into energy disruptors. So Rachel and I kind of knocked our heads together and said, look, we, we clearly need to change our client base. We're still going to do some oil and gas work, but we've got to broaden 
Absolutely. perspective. Get some eggs in some different baskets. Mm-hmm. And we've got to understand more about what's happening in other parts of the energy sector. So I ended up, uh, this was the summer of 2016. I went to a number of different events all around the world that were, t- you know, and the events were focused on renewable energy, uh, electric vehicles, battery storage, disruptive technologies like you know machine learning and artificial intelligence and i really didn't know a lot about those areas going mm-hmm. in i'd read a little bit in the media and that was about it it's very easy to know just like one degree of that <laughs> yeah and I w- it just wasn't i wasn't connected to that yeah. world so one of the events i ended up going to was um in london in the uk and richard branson hosted the event and there were about 600 people there and it was predominantly entrepreneurs, but also multinationals. And I was just mind blown. I thought it was this an amazing event. I met all these social and impact entrepreneurs. And I thought, this is what I really want to do. So I was flying back to Calgary the day after the event. Um, and I thought, what if we did something like this, but around energy? What if we did a big Future of Energy Summit? And that was the first seed of the idea. It's, I think I met you not long after that, actually. It was yeah, after and I that think we maybe sat down within a month or two of okay. me getting back to, to Calgary. Interesting. So you went through your own kind of transformation, and you, but you, you, you searched it out, and then it kind of, like, quote-unquote, hit you. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't... I, I, when I went to the UK, I had no expectation. The, the original plan was maybe we can do some work in these areas in our search firm. Doing an event mm-hmm. was not even on the radar. Nice. Um, and it was Michelle that actually pushed me and said, look, I just have this weird feeling that you're meant to go to this thing in London. And you know what it's like with your own business. At the time, we were Things are definitely not cash rich. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're going, this is quite expensive. And you're off gallivanting off, gallivan- <laughs> yeah, off to London. Um, but Michelle was adamant. She she said, I just have this feeling that you're meant to really do this. And And one of the big things that happened in London the person who was hosting the event was a lady called Holly Ransom. And Holly ultimately ended up becoming the host of Energy Disruptors. Oh, nice. But Life is the, rela- just, life is the yeah. relationships you build with yeah, people. Yeah, and it was yeah, one of those things. That we actually, Holly and I didn't meet in person in the UK. But I was so impressed by her. I ended up reaching out on LinkedIn a few days after I got back. And I basically said, look, I'm this random guy based in Calgary. I want to do a world class. I was at your event two days ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw you in London. Like you were amazing. Um, I want to do this big Future of Energy Summit, and I'd like you to host it. But full disclosure, we've never done an event before. We have no dates. We have no real content. It's just a concept at this stage. Would you be up for getting involved? And then Holly and I ended up connecting on Skype, and we just really hit it off. And you know, it sounds a bit corny, but there was a, you know, a meeting of minds. Yep. And she made a commitment. She said, if you can get this off the ground, then I will host the summit. And probably that one commitment then led to us going down this kind of 15-month journey of kind of the highs and lows and trying to find sponsors and sell tickets and get it off the ground. So I think it ties in well to what we're going to talk about today of like, you know, there's, there's a lot of rhetoric right now, but Calgary needs to transform. We need to, so when you were bringing an event like that to the city, was it well received? Were people, again, there's a difference with people being open to the idea to people actually physically getting behind it, either with money and resources. Was there an openness to you for like, did you feel that the city embraced you when you were kind of shopping this idea around? I think most people really embraced it. And it was interesting because I wasn't sure how it would be received. And I think it's an example of the first three or four people I spoke to about it. 
and they weren't necessarily people that I knew particularly well. They weren't. They definitely weren't. You know, friends. They right. were more just acquaintances. And we, what, we, you know, we had a series of coffee meetings over that first week I got back, and I decided to throw the idea out there, and we decided straight away to call it Energy Disruptors. Um, and uh, the, when I first met you, you had that the name was already the there. Name, yeah, right? I remember. And we, yeah, the, one of the first things we did um, that same week when I spoke to Holly, Michelle, and I went online and looked up energydisruptors.com and it was available. And I think it was first rule by by the URL, by the URL. (laughs) Yeah. So we basically, the first thing we're like, well, if we never do this, who cares? We'll just buy the URL because it's $20. I've spent spent more on less. (laughs) Yeah. And I've got lots of domains for random ideas. Yes. As most entrepreneurs do, I think. And it was, but it, but again, it was another signal. And then those first three or four people were really positive. They liked the concept. Yeah. And so then you pursue it. Got a little bit of momentum. If a little got, validation goes a yeah, long way. Yeah, if it got trashed, if someone said, great, that's a horrendous idea. Why are you bothering? You probably would then just put it to one side. It's funny, even when I remember hearing about it, not to get too impersonal on it, but it was like, wow, what a great idea. Wow, holy shit, I wonder if this guy can pull this off. It was more about, could you pull it off? Not if it was a good idea. You know, that's the funny, like just thinking back on it, it immediately was a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, from my like I, when I, I heard it, but it's we, like wow, the undertaking is what I felt overwhelmed when you first shared it with me, like you know, two years ago now. Yeah, I agree. I think we felt that as a team. <laughs> I'm sure. You know, I think deep down we were going, "Can we actually do this?" But it's funny. I don't think, um, as as tough as some of the moments were, we never lost that deep belief that yes, we can do this. Yes, we and do. I think if you yeah. lose that, you're you're probably dead in the water. And people can feel it if if you don't really believe it, then it's kind of hard to convince people to come and be a part of it if you don't believe in it yourself. Yeah, if you're not bought in, you want me to be bought in, you want me to fund it, and like you think it may work, absolutely. And you can say it, but you can tell <laughs> when someone doesn't really believe it. That's yeah. That authenticity does does show through. So in your adventures of putting this together, I'm assuming you've had a, probably I can't even imagine the amount of conversations and even being your role, uh, a lot of really solid relationships with people that are in the oil and gas space that are in just you know a variety of businesses through Calgary. So when you hear this this you know and maybe transformation, Calgary needs to transform. We need to be different. We need to dot dot dot. What does that mean to you? What kind of resonates with you with that statement? You know, I think it feels like we've been talking about this a lot as a city the last three, four years. It does. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's sometimes, it's easy to forget that we're, we're basically five years into this downturn, which is a long time. That's a real number. Hmm. And, it's, and, you know, a year in, I think there was this perspective of, well, we've been through this loads of times before. It will come back. It's just cyclical. It's we hold our breath. We hold our breath gas. for a little bit longer. It'll yeah. come back. And I, there was so I think even some of that going into year two and three. Um, but for me, transformation really is about um, what does the city look like by twenty thirty or twenty forty, mm-hmm. and it's recognizing that our primary industry. Um, there's this, this big global transformations happening in energy and we're, we're going to be impacted by that. So at some point, whether, you know, you think that oil growth is going to, or oil demand is going to rise till 2050, I may think it's 2025, but at some point we face a reality of our primary industry is probably going to face some degree of disruption or in this case continue to face it (laughs) or continue to face it so how do you thrive in that type of environment how do you build resilience into the city and into the economy um we've got this 
heritage of some incredible entrepreneurs. Um, we're risk takers as a city, um, definitely in the energy sector. But how do you then apply that mindset to some other areas as well? So it's not mm -hmm. saying we should be trashing the old and not understanding where we've come from. But at the same time, it's also, I think, recognizing that the business as usual mindset isn't going to cut it. And it's not just Calgary. It, it, it would be every, we're, we're every not, we're not, we're not, not alone. Unique. No, it's, we're not alone on this, on this. Yeah. yeah. Every, every, which can be comforting, but also disturbing. Cause I also believe in looking around and seeing what other jurisdictions are doing. Like we're not the first city who's lost their primary industry. No, not at all. So I think part of it is also, we, I don't necessarily think we have to reinvent the wheel. What can we learn from some of these other jurisdictions and, and, mm -hmm. and, and cities that have gone through? So for yourself, obviously you've traveled and having a global global perspective. Is there any places that you look for reference of like, wow, I love how they did it, or I love how they transformed, or and you know maybe multiple times some cities have had to reinvent themselves over and over again. I mean, there's there's certainly examples from the UK. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll come to those in a second, but one probably. Uh, you know, closer to home and, 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 and probably more relatable is is Denver mm -hmm. because it's got obviously a, a fairly thriving oil and gas industry, but also they've been very successful in building um, uh, a really thriving tech ecosystem. And you're starting to see a lot of uh, companies from California and other parts of the U.S. relocate to Denver. It's a similar size Denver's come up, it's come up a couple of times. You know, it's, it, I think it's a good example. Um, but there's one for me that's kind of an interesting one that it, certainly if you weren't from Scotland, you might not have, mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't be front and center, but there's a city in Scotland called Dundee mm -hmm. and Dundee had a reputation. It was a, it was an industrial city and you remember the Timex watches. I do. So they used to actually make and assemble Timex watches in Dundee. When basically that was, everybody had that watch basically. <laughs> yeah. And this is back in the seventies and eighties. And, um, and it was, it was one of the most deprived cities in the UK and Dundee's now one of the most thriving cities in the UK. Interesting. And one of the things that happened was the university of Abertay, uh, in the city decided to start the world's first, um, computer gaming degree. And this was back in the early nineties. Well ahead of the curve on that like one. Like way ahead of the curve. And, you know, 25 years later. Dundee's now one of the top gaming centers in Europe and they've got several multi-billion dollar gaming companies that I love when you can look to one point like the university decided you know I know Montreal I'm, I'm a Montrealer is going through quite a resurgence the last bunch of years AI again you strike it back it was one professor at the university who decided to really start pushing this and became the kind of the, the lightning rod for this whole industry that's now emerged around them yeah, what is that? It what, takes yeah. years. I think it, it this does. Is it's not an overnight agreement. It's a 15-year cycle, the I one I know I think we're trying of. to look for, and it's tempting, isn't it, that what's the silver bullet? What's the quick solution? Oh, yes. It's, and that was, whether it's a diet pill or a fix to the economy, we all want the, we all want the quick. And mm. I remember when Abate announced that degree, people literally were angry saying, what a joke. Oh, and Abate wasn't it's almost when you, It's almost when you know university. you're on the right track when everybody attacks you. Well, it, it got picked up by media across the UK of... Oh, interesting. That's oh, a good this story. This is devaluing universities. Isn't this ridiculous? You can do a degree in computer gaming. And now you wow. go, wow, wasn't That's that... That's a good story. Wasn't that visionary? But that was one of the key things for Dundee. And the amount of courage it took for somebody there to do that. Yeah. And then literally get it lambasted yeah. by the media. So then you go, okay, so what are the hmm. things that rather than... 
you know, what what are the things that are going to put Calgary on the map in 2030 or 2040? How do we build some of that longer term vision? And what can we do that's really audacious? Not just let's be 10% better. Um, we, we've got obviously incredible strength and resources. So how do we build upon that? And that's a, certainly the theme that's been coming out with a lot of the guests around like, like quote unquote, we should be doing better based on what we have to build from. We have an unprecedented level of wealth that's been accumulated in the city over a period of time. We have fantastic post-secondary and education ecosystem here. But I, what we don't have is the big audacious. Like I like what you said there. Because that, that can be very polarizing, but it also it's that lightning rod that like tip of the sword. And again, any metaphor you want to put to it, I'm not seeing that or hearing that floating around right now. I'm hearing a lot of pockets of that. Mm. Well, and I think because there's been such success, in some ways it makes it more difficult then to reinvent yourself because it's you tend to fall back on the default of totally. we've been hugely successful in this not necessarily just one vertical, but primarily in oil and gas. It has been a lead. And, we're, and certainly, you know, there's no, nothing here saying oil and gas should go away. But the world that oil and gas lives in is changing. It's changed <laughs> and it continuing is. to change. It mm. is. And you've got to, the reality is, if you're an investor in a publicly traded oil and gas company of the last 10 years in North America, you're, you're probably not very happy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what does that company look like Um you know, what's the vision of an oil and gas company by 2030? It probably can't just be business as usual. Well, yes, no, that's a very good point. So when you look around the city, and you know, that's, that's a really good story. I, I love what it's, I, I, I always, you can always learn from, someone else has been down this road. You're not the first person to step on this landmine. <laughs> someone else has probably stepped on it. Um, but we tend to stay inside our little bubble. So what do you see? You're out and about, what's working? Like, what, what are the positives? Because I obviously want to get to, we've, we, we all kind of pseudo know the realities. What do you see going well in the city right now from your optics? Well, I think you, you commented earlier of, you know, did we get support when we started Energy Disruptors? And that's one of the huge positives. I really believe that you couldn't do something like that in many other places hmm. because you, you do have this vibrant community here. And because of the size of the city... It's it's a big advantage that you can actually reach some of the key decision makers. It's a big the big small town is really a huge quickly. advantage. And it and it again it sounds corny, but if you come in from Vancouver or London or Toronto, you don't have that. You've got a completely different atmosphere. Yes, that's very so true. So for me you've got a generosity of spirit within this community. Um you've got a lot of really bright, highly educated people. I mean it's an incredible place to live. So we've got most of the advantages we need to thrive. Yes. Um, but I think one of the missing ingredients is I think we need more leaders stepping up and saying, okay, there has to be a different path forward that's embracing the future, that's audacious, that is, here's the, you know, here's the, um, our North Star as a vision. Yeah, for the, the big city. hairy audacious goal. Yeah, and, <laughs> there's and so it, many, and, and, and I can't and put my finger. I can't city? put my finger on that right now. And all the people I've talked to, there's pockets of it. But you're right. Who's got the? Because it takes a lot of courage to to do that often. Well, I, I I I've been thinking about this a lot of the last two years. And if you think about the biggest challenges we face as a planet, it's around food security, energy security, water. Um. We're leaders in ag. We're leaders in energy. We've got, you know, Canada as a nation obviously has huge water resources. So we have a lot that we can contribute to those three challenges. Right. Yeah. So can Calgary be one of the cities in the world that's making the biggest impact in those three areas? That for me is 
should mm, be. That's an interesting theme. That's an interesting question. Is anybody working in that? Sp- like, that sounds like it's very. I feel it is happening, but it feels like it's kind of just disconnected. Little pocket again. Little pockets is what I've been observing. Yeah, I think it's happening in pockets, right? But it's not. You know, we don't. It's, have not, this, it's not a north star. Mm-hmm. It's not a north star. No, it's. And not. I think that hopefully that will or something like that will become a north star for the city. And in your mind, is that? Business leaders? Is it government? Is it uh, academia? So who who should who should quote unquote be careful with the shoulds? Who do you see as the best qualified or maybe the best positioned? That's maybe a better way to put it to maybe start flying that flag because I I do believe in leadership and I do believe in that rallying point that brings us all together. I, I just I don't know where that lives right now. What's your any perspectives on that? Well, I think it's this intersection between post secondary education. Mm-hmm. Um, government, business, the right policies or decent policies are going to help. Um, but for me, the, the key is you need entrepreneurs. You need a thriving uh, group of entrepreneurs who are taking up these challenges and creating jobs and creating wealth. They're just crazy enough to take a shot yeah, at it. Yeah, <laughs> and in some ways, I think most entrepreneurs aren't that worried about policies. I, I would agree. I, I don't go... I'm not going to start my business because there's not a government policy to support it. Now, it I've never really, heard. I've, yeah, no, you're right. I don't typically hear those conversations being said that way. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've, we've obviously had a lot of policy challenges of both, I, I would say provincially and federally over yes. the last five, six years. Been yeah. We are policy. part of a bigger ecosystem called the Canadian economy and then globally beyond that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I think there also comes a point where you say, you can't. We can't just point the finger at the policies and say that's been the main. You know, it, we've got to do this despite of the policies. Yes, in my view. And so, you, I, I think that's that entrepreneur. Yeah. I think entrepreneurs are key to this as well. So you've also got to go. How do you inspire people to become entrepreneurs and take up some of these challenges? How do you fund them? How do you build the right teams? How do the PSEs support that uh, thriving? group of entrepreneurs which is it's so like how do you de-risk it because at the end of the day it's risk but if i feel i'm supported or i feel there's an ecosystem that is there to support me with advice and i know there's lots of good initiatives going on that you can get involved in but it's so key because how many people right now you know i've heard the word i've heard the thousand startups it's a number that's got thrown around but a thousand startups mean like ten thousand ideas like the funnel has another level how many ideas are in their basement right now going hey this is a great idea but i don't know how i don't know where or i'm just scared because i've got a wife and family and like life to support or whatever husband to support it, it's all very real how do you create an ecosystem like you know the stats around yesterday this came out in a in, a, in with my conversation with evan waterloo three hundred thousand people thousand startups calgary 1.4 million people 200 startups but yet we have all the infrastructure so that's it's a mindset and how do you shift that so that's a, that's a bigger that's a bigger question in my mind and and part of it's num- a numbers game definitely mm-hmm. but it's also how do you then back the quality entrepreneurs Yes. How do you create a system that is a meritocracy as well so that you get, hmm. it's a bit like, you know, if you're going to go and pursue gold medals as an elite athlete, you don't, you don't back 50 average athletes. You back half a dozen. Oh, that's an you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Where do we double down? Yeah. So I think part of it's also where do we double down and how do you create a system that has that high competitiveness and you also, I think, need a group of entrepreneurs who are, are looking globally for opportunities. Mm-hmm. So they're basing their companies here, but they're, they're, they're thinking internationally. And then you've got to be able to supply them with the appropriate talent. 
And one of the big challenges I think we have over the next 5, 10, 15 years, pretty much every company is being transformed by technology. Yes. So if you don't have access to that, those skills, whether that's developers or people with coding skills, whatever it is in relation to technology, if you're just, if you're just taking that developer from over the road from your competitor and, and the, the, the ecosystem of talent isn't growing then that's a big problem because that's going to constrict the opportunities for tech companies in the city. So you've got to bring talent in either from other parts of Canada or overseas. And so how do we also grow that ecosystem of talent? Because then it's self-reinforcing because more tech companies come because they go, there's lots of available talent. And talent comes because they know that if this doesn't work out, there's other places I can go. Yeah, and it's the same reason why energy professionals from all over the world came to Calgary 12 years ago. Because they said this is the place to be, investments happening, it's a growing, thriving industry. So I think how do we do that in the the tech sector in Calgary over the next 15, 20 years? Because you're still you're still involved with search and staffing and um, that sort of thing. Yeah. Are you seeing like again? I'm gonna I'm gonna put something out and it, I've heard from many people that we have a branding problem. That why would I come there? That's an oil and gas town. And I often joke, even in my industry, I go I go to Toronto the marketing pool for talent is extremely large because I thought if I wanted to find an oil and gas professional, I'd probably struggle in downtown Toronto, but I know I could come to Calgary and find it. I go to Toronto and it's there. Is What are we going to do to attract those people? If, I, if the world sees Calgary as this, you know, I'm going to say quote unquote one trick pony, that's going to, I would imagine that's going to do nothing but hurt us for talent attraction. Is that something you see or is that is that a misnomer? No, I mean, I think that... I. I I think that just not enough people know about the city. Okay. So just, if I, just, if just I look, awareness. If period. I look even at my friends in the UK, a lot of them will have been to Toronto or Vancouver. Not many of them have been to Calgary. Right. And so the, you know, it's not necessarily on their radar. So not even that they miss, they just, just not, period. It's just not, it's just I, no, just I don't no think awareness. it's either good or bad. It's just okay. not necessarily on their radar. So That's a better go, starting point. That's a better place to start from. In a way, from. it's a good starting point. And it's it's kind of... You know, if we were talking about Montreal 15 years ago in the context of artificial intelligence, it wasn't on anyone's radar. No, it was not. But it's amazing now if you randomly just in the last couple of years, people people are like, oh, there's all this stuff happening in AI in Montreal. So I think Calgary needs that. There's all this stuff happening in question mark. We don't know yet what that Uh, is. That that is the question mark. In Calgary, wow, isn't that exciting? And, And you start to see, you build that reputation and that space hmm. that may be beyond oil and gas yes. it's not saying it's not saying at all that we shouldn't be trying to thrive in oil and gas I, I agree with you but it's what we're looking areas. for a more balanced portfolio here we're not looking to take that one off the table <laughs> what, what else do we have to offer hmm. well I you know I think that um, I think once people discover the city they, they love it well the quality of life the mountains like we have we have a lot going for us from a lifestyle perspective 100% like it is a wonderful place to live <laughs> and it's one of these cities that creeps up on you you know I think you yeah. move here yep. and you go I like it but it's you know I don't necessarily love it um, in the first say 6 or 12 months but as you spend more time here and it's amazing the amount of friends we've seen move here and then they don't want to leave um, and I'm not sure it's just the lifestyle because the lifestyle is great, but actually a big part of it is the people. Yes. 
Um, well, that contributes to that for sure. Yeah, and I think we've we do have this great community. It's probably been a bit fragmented the last couple of years. So part of this is also how do you bring a lot of those people together um, when we're trying to tackle this challenge? We tend right. to just think of it as we just need the CEOs and the business leaders. Um, I think you have to engage you know regular people in in this uh, challenge because these visionaries need people to surround them they need a team they need people that are going to help them make it happen like there's the people out in the lead with the idea but there's everyone that falls in to support that and elevate it and it's the team that usually takes that idea to the next level not necessarily the leader of that entrepreneur they they don't row that boat on their own (laughs) yeah and I don't necessarily think that you you don't have to be a CEO to be a leader so there's I think there's lots of community leaders here um, Very that, good point. And, and, and not just from the business community, but from arts and from you know, creative industries, that I think that's where there's an opportunity as well to try to bring people together. Uh, a real diverse cross section of Calgarians. And I think we've been missing that perspective. with some of this stuff. You know, okay. I think we've, yeah. you know, if you look at what happened with the Olympic bid or if you think about the future city and the economy, I think we're still talking a bit in our echo chamber. Right. And we're not necessarily engaging regular Calgarians. That was the, the, the Olympic bit is an interesting one just to observe of like how fragmented that became so quickly and misinformation and little pockets and it, it was such an p- opportunity for a rallying cry but it seemed to go in the opposite direction just trying to look and observe it just with, with neutrality and it became these pockets of like fierce like pro or con and it was it seemed to be excessively fragmented more than maybe it quote unquote should have been. <laughs> If that makes sense. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I'm not sure what the answer to that is, uh, but uh, definitely was an example of there were very few people in the middle with a view. It was it tended to be either very pro or very against, and obviously it played out that more people were against it than in right. favour. Yeah, it almost feels you know our world in general tends to be a very extreme left to right, and I don't mean that even politically. There's lot, seems like middle ground is 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 a, is, a, is lightly trodden these days. We're polarizing this way, we're polarizing that way, but it's a, it's never one thing that's going to take us forward, and that's a tough one. How do you bring it into the middle and have a, maybe more of a rational view of everything objectively? And maybe it's the middle people are becoming disengaged because they're going, well, if I have a yep. middle view, it's not necessarily being heard. And this isn't just um, in isolation in, in Calgary or Alberta. We're seeing this around the world. We're talking about most bigger, yes, absolutely. Western economies, we're seeing this this fragmentation um, and a lot of anxiety around the future, a lot of anxiety around how technologies can impact people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fear. Impact jobs, there's a lot of fear. And I think some of it, a lot of it is understandable. Yes, well, insert unknown, insert fear right after. It, it, yeah. And the future is very unknown, and it's happening at a pace that arguably it's never happened before because we're, we're, we're getting faster on our own, on our own, on our own wheel. <laughs> well, you could say, though, that the perception is getting faster. Ah. But in some ways, the reality may not be changing as much mm-hmm. as the perception. So we're being fed. Ah, the world's yeah, getting worse. In, in a lot of ways, if you, you know, if you, our perceptions are being influenced. Our perceptions of, oh my God, isn't the world broken? But when you actually look at the metrics on poverty and on energy access, actually, most of the metrics are improving. It's better than it's ever been. Mm. It's better than it's ever been. But we have this 24 hour news cycle and 24 hour access to social media that it's easy to go, well, everything's broken. Oh my God, let's just give up. It's hard. I walked in the other day to the news headline. Uh, 
teen depression rates on the rise due to social media. I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> like it just was the, that was the headline that was on the TV. Part of the reason for this podcast was also to bring some of these stories to the surface of the things that are going on. Positive stories, even what you did with energy disruptors. And I like what you said about how like I floated this idea around and it was met with a way more, yeah, like let's, let's do this. Let's be positive. Let's support it. Let's embrace it. That doesn't happen in every city mm-hmm. or in it, every, in it, every it group. It doesn't. And, it, and not to say it was universally received. Of course. Way, but, but it, but the, it the happened. Majority yes. of people. You got enough validation, quote unquote, to your idea when you kind of land out and did your, your, your armchair focus group that you're like, okay, I'm not totally insane, maybe just partially. And that's okay. <laughs> well, I think it was also, we went... Um, the idea had to develop and change. Yes. And so you yeah. have to iterate. And we we had almost a thousand data points between the idea and then the first summit because we had so many coffee meetings and we got so much f- feedback. <coughs> Excuse me. And the idea evolved so much and it continues to evolve. You know, how energy disruptors will look in a year or two or three years time, hopefully if it survives and thrives. Yes. Um, it will probably be very different than what it is today. Um, we, we're not sure where it's going, but for in some ways it's become a bit of a catalyst and a bit of a lightning rod to bring together some of these uh, leaders who are trying to affect a positive change. And that's been one of the coolest things. And, it is, and it's a difficult thing to measure. You know, we get often asked, yes. tell us what's the impact. You know, it's just an event, so what? There's loads of events. Um, but for whatever reason, it seems to have been picked up as a community that this is one of the things that might make a, a bit of a difference. And that's been really cool to see. I think it's such a great example. You said, like, we're not sure where it's going to go, but we but we believe in it and we're on a path and it's going to iterate and we're going to get new information and we're going to learn things tomorrow that we just don't know. No matter how long we sit here today, you're going to hear something tomorrow that's going to go, ah, a new way of thinking about it. Where... You know, if you look at the way things have changed, even in the oil and gas sector, there still is, and I believe this, I've talked to so many people, like, I really kind of just wish it would just stay the same. But yet the world never stays the same. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's going to go away. Doesn't mean the event is going to, it's going to morph and it's going to change. And that's exactly the life cycle it needs to go on. Embracing that as a belief structure can be really challenging. If, you know, if you've just lost your job in an industry that's now lost 60,000 jobs, you're not really feeling super positive about change and transformation. <laughs> not at all. No, that's very real. And I think as well, you're not necessarily going to be at your most confident in that situation as well. And as more time When you arguably need it the most. Mm. Well, and as more time passes, it's easy that you're applying for jobs, you're not hearing back. Um, There's not many opportunities. Um, That's a really tough position to be in. Any advice for people? Because obviously in the career that you feel, I feel that what you've done, you're even more qualified because you've been dealing with people in transition, careers, growth, having to change. Any advice for people that are kind of in that throes right now of like change is hitting them in a real way because now they can't continue to work in the industry that they kind of signed up for, quote unquote, in Calgary. Any advice or any, any pass or recommendations for people that are dealing with some of those challenges? You know, that's a difficult question. Um, because it's so, so so much of it's based on individual circumstances. Of course. Um, but I think the first thing you have to do, you've got to surround yourself with people who are going to support you through that process. Um, I forget who said this. I think it, it might have been Peter Diamandis uh, from Singularity that you're the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. Yes, I'm a fan, I'm a fan of that quote. And mm. I think it's so true. You know, if you, if you surround yourself with... And I think about people in... Uh, um, two basic ways you're either a diminisher or you're an amplifier Hmm. so you either give energy or you take energy 
And if you think about family and friends, we all have people who give yes, energy. Yes, I think everyone's got a little checklist yeah. running right yeah, now with that additive. statement. <laughs> and you all have people who pull energy from you. Yes. So if you're in that situation, you're, you're the additive to them. <laughs> you, need add, you need additive people. So whether that's you're going to go and start a company or whether you're going to go through a career change or whether you're going to have to adjust your lifestyle to that new reality, you need you need those core people around you. That to kind of set the foundation to. because change is hard and it is challenging. Mm. Yeah, and I think you've got to be prepared to make tough choices early. Um, when we started the the uh, our, our own search firm and then Energy Disruptors, one of the things that I think that we were lucky, uh, personally, we ended up um, reducing a lot of our financial exposure. You know, we sold a lot of things. We um, We tried to get rid of all the assets that were... Uh, so we try to get rid of all our liabilities or as many right. liabilities as possible. And in some ways that freed us up psychologically to then go and start the companies. I think if we'd had those liabilities hanging over us, right. uh, you know, that would have been super stressful. So some, some, and some, sometimes it's just that, you know, removing some of those physical things. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're freeing up some bandwidth. Is you're really freeing what you're up doing. bandwidth, both yeah. financially and psychologically. Right. And it, it, again, I'm not trying to say everyone's in that situation at all because... No, it was a, it's a broad question. We I kind of put you on yeah, the spot. Yeah, we were in a very one. fortunate position, but yes. I think it's you've got to surround yourself with the right people. You've got to be really proactive. Um, you've got to, I think, challenge yourself to, uh, to really think creatively around what your next career is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to also go, we're going to have to significantly adjust our lifestyle to this new reality. And th- those can be, that, that can be a tough one because oh, we, we create this picture of this is our world brutal. and this is what we've, and you know, quote unquote, maybe deserve slash entitled to. And then literally the proverbial rug gets pulled out. Yeah. yeah. I had, uh, I was on talking with Ray DePaul from uh, Mount Royal and uh, he said that uh, the advice he gives 20 year olds, the students, he, I think he picked uh, whatever age, but students that he's dealing with, expect to change your career anywhere from six to seven times over the course of your life. So the number one skills you need to be adept in are um, adaptability and, and barely resolve. That yeah. ability to just pivot and go, hey, that happened, that's okay, go forward. That wasn't the advice that was given to me. Pick a career, yeah. that'll be it, you'll go forward. So kind of the, 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 kind of the ground, the foundation is changing. Mm-hmm. Well, we, you know, it's maybe a good Scottish term here, but you think about grit. And I, yes. and I think about gritty people. We all know gritty people in our lives. that They're, they're kind of like cats with nine lives. You know? <laughs> you try, you know, they'll fall off a building and somehow they land on their feet. Um, and I'm come not, back stronger than the I, before they fell. Yeah, if I think about my own kids, one of the things that I'd say uh, um, as a parent I'm most worried about is can I build that resilience and capacity and grit when my kids are growing up in this very pampered environment yes, where really most of their wants and needs are met almost immediately. Um as a, as a parent, that's an interesting dialogue to kind of think yeah. about because you so want to provide this, this environment, but yet you don't want to create someone who's not going to have those life skills going forward that we all know are, are now mandatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in some ways you go, how do you create a degree of hardship? And in, yeah, I forget, I think I read the other week about how you develop elite athletes. And often the most elite athletes are the ones that have experienced significant hardship as yes. children because you have to build that grit and capacity. You know, if you've got scholarships and you've got, you know, you've got all your equipment paid for as you're coming through the ranks as an athlete, then you don't necessarily make it to the top. 
in some ways you can make the same argument for entrepreneurs if you give entrepreneurs everything if you don't have to face the reality of actually having to fight through those brutal moments where you have to maybe remortgage your house or you've got to figure out a way to overcome a significant obstacle then are you going to create world-class entrepreneurs? It's interesting. I had a friend who's a successful entrepreneur who's recently exited, and he said, if, until you've really been on your kitchen floor, <laughs> feeling like you're going to throw up, not knowing if you're going to make payroll, that's when you're an entrepreneur. Extreme, but not. But you're right, because it builds resilience and grit. And you know, there was a lot of businesses, I think, believe were started in Calgary when you could literally just open the doors and be successful. Well, I think there was a bit of all boats rising. Absolutely. Um, yes, well said. Mm. And so, yeah, and you could have a massive success and timing is huge in every business. In life and in it's general. Often, and actually timing is often the one factor that's not talked about a lot. You know, is this the best timing? And back to what we were doing with energy disruptors, we were really lucky. I think the timing was good. We were just ahead of the market right. on that concept. And then when it And hit, there was enough disruption going on that people are like, yeah, I need to be part of a different conversation. Yeah, I'm in. Oh, it's in my, it's in my backyard? I'm going to go. And now it seems quite mainstream. But yes. Three years ago. It, it was not. It wasn't. Mm. Was there any ever any? Uh, is there thoughts of taking to taking it on the road, other cities? There is, yeah. Um, we we got recently approached uh, about bringing the summit to Europe uh, to that, Germany. Let's just stop for a moment. How did that feel? That must have been a nice feeling. <laughs> you know, it was it was awesome. It, it, yeah, it really a little bit of a validation a, to the guy surprise. with the idea. Yeah. yeah, it came as a big. That's wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah, so it was it was. Um, I'd say we're trying to weigh this up. One of the things that we want to do is continue to do the summit here on an 18-month cycle. But we've then got to decide, can we as a team, do we have the bandwidth to go and start something of a similar scale, yes. bigger in, in Europe? Well, back to getting the Calgary story out on the world stage. Like, I'm a huge... Let, let, let me know how I can support you on that because I think that's... the But it's things like that. Wow, where's this Where's this event from? Where did they get it start? Where did it's based? Oh, Calgary. What's, what's a Calgary, quote-unquote? Well, I think that... So we're really excited about that. That's um, very interesting. Whether it happens or not, we'll see. That's but, fair. But yeah. that's, you know, that was something fairly recent. Um, I think the dream would be if we had an energy disruptors in the US, maybe somewhere like Houston, we do the Calgary edition, we do one in Europe and maybe one in Asia. And I think you can then take this message globally. Uh, that would be pretty exciting. We just have to figure out how we fund it. And of course, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how we do it. But, the why is, yeah, I get but it. But I think we how. can see it now, whereas two, three years ago, that would have seemed you know, completely impossible to do that. I think because we've done it here, not saying it, it would be a big challenge doing it in some of these other uh, markets, but it's not as scary as it would have been two years ago. Random question. So would you consider yourself a, a Calgary startup from an energy disruptors perspective? I think we've got really strong Calgary DNA. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Like, that's yeah. what I'm seeing from but, over here. I didn't think about it. I never thought about it that way until just now as you're talking. But we're also, you know, you look at the four uh, founders, um, you know, Holly's based in Australia, about to move to Boston to study at Harvard. Uh, Rachel um, uh, grew up outside of Calgary, but moved to Calgary as a, you know, as a, kid mm -hmm. and then Michelle and I grew up in Scotland but view, you know Calgary's home so we've got this kind of mixed team of you know quite different perspectives which I think is hugely valuable but yet you've all for some reason kind of came together and you know Cal Calgary was that rallying point but the global perspective I think is a huge advantage for you guys mm -hmm. well it started as 
could this be a bit of a catalyst for the city? And, you know, someone said, go and do this in um, Vancouver, because we got asked loads of times, well, it'd be way easier to do this in Vancouver or Toronto. But we we weren't passionate about doing it in those cities. We wanted to do it here. Um, so that's going to be the interesting piece is, uh, do we will we have that same passion if we take it to some of these other you know right. some of these other cities? Um, I think it, it would be exciting, but there's a lot of things to consider if we if we decide to. Expand. Well, like any like any startup or any like it's change, and there's a million things to weigh out and to consider. Yeah. But success is a great problem to have. Like these, I always joke these are success problems. These <laughs> are failure it, problems. It's funny because I always laugh at people when they say that you know success problems. You know, the first event still lost money. Yep. This one. We don't, you know, it's looking much better. Okay. But, you know, we also had a couple of groups approach us about buying the the event, the initiative, and we, we had to laugh as a team because we're going, you clearly are not very financially savvy <laughs> if, if you're interested in You don't really have stage. a grasp of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you don't necessarily grasp this fully. But I, I mean, that, the, I think the commercial side of it will become sustainable and successful. I mean, it has to. We don't have an yep. option. But, but like a ways, lot of startups, you're still trading on the yeah. belief that it's going to get there. Well, mm. very few companies or initiatives year one crushed, you know, the commercial side. Yes, absolutely. We, we've tried to view it as an investment. Yeah, you validated the concept and you, you yeah. kind of proof of concept. And yeah. Fantastic. So if anyone hasn't heard about energy disruptors, how would they would go to your website? What's the best way to get in touch with you, learn a little bit more, kind of dig in a bit? Mm. Yeah, so the probably easiest thing, the starting point is energydisruptors.com. Um, and you'll see the event dates, the speakers that we've lined up this year, including uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, Is that your headliner this year? That's our headliner this year. We're expecting about two to two and a half thousand people. Fantastic. Um, we've been very fortunate. one day or two day events? It's two days, two days September 17th and 18th at the Big Four, obviously here in Calgary. Um, yeah, so that's the easiest way. We're pretty accessible as a team so there's all all our contact details are on the reach out the website reach out obviously we're you know we're looking actually for 250 to 300 volunteers for the event this year oh fantastic so people so can we'll physically be, get involved yeah so oh, right, we good. also said um we want it to be accessible so we've got uh, a, dis, a you know heavily discounted student ticket um and then uh you know for for folks that maybe a struggling on because it's an expensive yes. ticket you know it's not yeah. cheap t- to come and attend the event come and volunteer you can check out a lot of the program as well um, and it's a way that's to fantastic. access kudos the for you guys for building that kind of make it accessible re- reduce the barrier to, to entry to participate yeah and we're trying to support some young entrepreneurs and so we're, we're trying to where possible get um, people that you know maybe are struggling to to buy a regular ticket we'll we'll try to figure out a way to accommodate them through the volunteering program well good for you guys for really obviously building it and adapting it to the environment that we're that we're, that we're in right now and inclusion and that's and what's the point of this podcast is colliding different ideas and different people together and get people exposed into other ways of thinking and that's how we move forward because you get locked in our own little navel gazing bubbles and it's not if you keep looking at the same problem over and over again it tends to look the same way fresh perspective does wonderful things <laughs> yeah i think it's we're trying to build something that's different generations different backgrounds different industries um yeah and i think this this is some magic there when those groups come together i absolutely agree graham it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you i encourage absolutely anybody to reach out attend the event learn more become part of the change thanks Graham. appreciate you having me on the show thanks